quick reminder that all our subscribers can get 15% off their tickets to Epic Web Free Conference. And this conference is special because just like this podcast, it's focused exclusively on building and growing web-free products. So among conference speakers are people who are responsible for building and growing products at POAP, MakerDAO, Polygon, MetaMask, Decentraland, Gnosis, and many, many more. The event will take place on the 9th of June in Lisbon, and the agenda is already out. You can check it at epicwebfree.com. If you decide to buy a ticket, just remember to type Webfree Talks Code during the checkout to get 15% off. And we are live. So today's guest is uh, Julien <laughs> Justenou. <laughs> or Jeunestou. Jeunestou, yeah. F- thanks for correcting my French. Uh, pardon my French. Uh, so, who is a co founder and CEO of Unlock Protocol. And Unlock Protocol is a tool that has many faces in, in a sense. Because on one hand, you can, you know, just create your NFT collection and share it with your uh, users. On the other hand, you can lock some content so you can token gate access to your video poll or a blog post. But what you can also do, you can also use Unlock to uh, provide subscription so people can pay some amount every month to subscribe to your content, just like we know from the web yep. to world. And it's also been used in ticketing. So if you took part in EFCC 2022, you probably used Unlock because they have been responsible for tickets uh, back then. So, yes, Julian. Maybe I should clarify why these things, because they, they, oh, mm-hmm. go ahead. I was going to say they look different, but they're actually the same thing under the hood. It's really the concept mm-hmm. of membership is the idea that when I have a ticket to EFCC, I'm a member of the conference. When I have a you know, an online subscription like Netflix or Spotify. I'm a member of Netflix and Spotify, and that allows me to access the services, which is basically streaming music or videos in that example. Mm-hmm. Um, and these memberships can be one-offs like tickets, but they can also be recurring, like we've seen on the media subscription side of things. So really at the core, they're the same kind of object. And the analogy that I tell all the time is like, every website is different. You know, uh, Riverside, the tool that we use to record this podcast is different from Facebook. It's different from my blog. But they're all made of the same concept, which is basically, you know, uh, some HTML JavaScript that are is rendered from a different website or web server uh, in t- inside of my browser. And so really kind of unlock is a protocol for memberships. It's an easy way to create these all kinds of membership from a single mm-hmm. standard contract. Okay. Uh, Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And it's a good... Uh you know, glue that, that, that connects together all, all, all these points. So Julian, like you've been around for a long time and, and, and in tech in general, I know that you worked in Medium, you were also working with RSS feeds for a while. So what yes. chain of yes. events led you to work on Unlock? Absolutely. So it's actually pretty related. Um, so my previous company was called Superfeeder, is called Superfeeder, still exists. Um, and that company was sold to Medium, and that's how I ended up at Medium. But um, what it did is build RSS feed APIs, so an easy way for you know publishers, um, creators, to publish their content in the form of a standard feed. Mm-hmm. So basically, all of the content is different, but the schema is the same. 
Um, and that company was sold to Medium uh, in 2016. When I joined Medium was the time when I was really thinking a lot about already kind of business model around the internet. The idea that people are, I mean, basically the only monetization until then was ads, basically. Like you mm -hmm. create a website, you put ads on them, and that's how you make money. And I was really frustrated with that experience because I realized like this is a very centralizing mechanism. If I'm a big brand, it's so much easier to go give, you know, a billion dollar to Facebook than it is to give a million dollar to a thousand small sites. Um, and so it's centralizing. And that, for me, that was bad because I, the web is better when it's decentralized. And so really started to think a lot about like, okay, how can we build a business model for the web that is decentralized? When I joined Medium uh, after selling Superfeeder, Medium was asking the same question for itself. It's like, how can we monetize the content in a way that is not attention driven, but more membership driven? And so Medium introduced a membership uh, model that people are pretty familiar with, where you pay $5 a month and you access some of the content that's published on, on Medium behind the paywall. And I realized, well, that membership model that Medium is doing, every website in the world, every application, every single organization could have its own membership. The reason why it's not the case is because it's hard because you don't actually have the, the mechanisms in place to build this. You need a database, you need a, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. And so really the goal of Unlock is to build an easy way for people to do these things in a decentralized way. Make sense? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you've been uh, working on Unlock for quite a while. Uh, you've been here in, what, like 2018, as far as I know when it's yes. been a totally different space than it is today. Uh, so what were your early MVPs back then? Because 2000, 2018 is like CryptoKitties, more or less, uh, you know, moment. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So basically the first, uh, I mean, I started working on Unlock in the, in the summer of 2018. So um, as you said, CryptoKitties kind of at the beginning, uh, CryptoPunk was out, but, you know, was definitely not as popular as it is today. Um, and, and really the first prototype was first on, uh, on main, I mean, actually on Rinkaby, we had a test, we, we had a test implementation first on Rinkaby and then on Ethereum mainnet where gas was much cheaper at the time. Um, so it was not that different from what it is now. It's, it was already kind of an NFT. Uh, obviously there is a lot of stuff that, uh, has improved since then, but it was kind of the same concept. Like as a creator, I would deploy my smart contract on the Ethereum blockchain membership contract set the terms and we don't have as many uh, customization, but the core idea was like, you could already set the price in ETH, obviously the supply, how many members you have and the expiration. Cause the unique thing about Unlock, uh, Unlock's NFTs is their NFTs that have an expiration date. So your normal NFT, you mentioned CryptoKitty or, or, you know, CryptoPunks, they don't have an expiration. Once you have it, it's, it's yours forever and it's the same. Uh, it doesn't evolve over time. But I do think that it's, it's good for collectible, like artsy stuff, but it's not great for memberships. If you have a gym membership, obviously the gym needs to make money in a recurring way. So your membership expires every month and it automatically gets renewed every time they charge your card. Um, and so really the unique thing that we created back in 2018 was these NFTs that have an expiration date on chain. So felt really much like that was obviously, I don't think Wallet Connect was a thing then, so it was very much like MetaMask-like. Um, I mean, in terms of connecting with the wallet, um, we didn't have any you know, of what we built later on, which is the Syntactic Sugar, so like credit cards and things like this. But yeah, it was already fairly similar to what it is now mm -hmm. at the core, I should say. And how this expiration worked like? Like, you know, what was under the hood? Yeah, so basically, and I don't know how technical you are and how technical your audience is, but it's, 
again, the same smart contract that you have for NFTs, um, except that uh, in a normal NFT is basically two things. It's a token ID. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, you know, sequential numbers and an owner address. So your ZOX123, um, if you're talking about the EVM ecosystem. Uh, we've added a third field, which is the timestamp. And the timestamp is basically when the NFT expires. So every single NFT in the Unlock ecosystem has these three values. It has an ID, obviously, one, two, three, four, five, an owner, and an expiration timestamp. And that's the only thing. And so now I can actually query the chain to see if somebody has an NFT, and the smart contract will return true if the user has an NFT, but also if that NFT is not expired. If it is expired, the, the smart contract will say, nope, that user doesn't have a valid NFT, so they cannot access the content. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like this, yeah, it, you know, these, uh, you know, uh, timestamped uh, NFTs that can, you know, just expire is still like, yep. even today, it's, it's a pretty new idea. So I'm wondering, like, how have yes. you educated people in 2018 when, you know, NFTs were like very strange phenomenon and not, yeah. so. Know, Honestly, it's taken time. Like the first, you know, the first two years, um, nobody knew about NFTs. Like obviously people had maybe heard of CryptoKitties, heard of CryptoPunks, but honestly, very few people had heard of these things. And we were telling like, nope, the, these things are NFTs, so non-fungible tokens. And we're making a different kind, which is the one with expiration date. Obviously about two years ago, things started to change with the kind of the most recent bull market where everybody learned about NFTs. Um, and it was kind of almost as frustrating for us because people had a lot of, and still today, had a lot of misconceptions about NFTs. You know, like, is this, can I just copy paste uh, or, you know, right click, save? It's like, no, that's not the, the NFT is not the image. People still think like, oh, NFT is an image. No, it's not an image. The image is just a visual presentation of one single NFT, but the NFT itself is different. It would be the same as saying, oh, a website is a logo. It's like, no, a website is not a logo. Most websites have logos but the logo is not the website. And it's the same with an NFT. Most NFTs have an image, but the image is not the NFT itself. So we had to do a lot of education. And to be honest, we're still doing a lot of that. As you said, in the crypto space, it's still, you know, uh, a lot of people will just say things that are not true. I mean, one of the most recent thing that kind of exploded in our space, not our, but like the collective space uh, of the crypto uh, industry is the idea of royalties. From the beginning, we said royalties are a lie. There is no such thing as like enforceable royalties on the smart contract, um, at least with the current specification, which is ERC-721 or ERC-1155. But people kind of ignored this because it was convenient to say, no, 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 of course, crypto is better because we can pay royalties. That wasn't true. And again, over the last few months, it became obvious that it was kind of not only not true, but also a lie. Um, and, and so I think in that space, there is still a lot of education to be made. Obviously, it's the same beyond that. Interestingly though, people that actually don't know about crypto understand Unlock very quickly. I'd say even faster than people that understand mm. crypto. Uh, and that's coming because what we do is actually not very, even though we do use crypto and, and blockchain, and I think it's actually critical to our success. We're not doing something that is, you know, crazy and wide like yield or, you know, these kind of DeFi things that you hear about uh, a lot these days. So really one thing that I believe is we're doing something simple that businesses have been doing forever, uh, but we're trying to make it simpler, easier for them to use that. You said that people who are not familiar with crypto often learn, you know, faster because, you know, uh, yeah. What we make is not very, it, it, it is not crazy and different 
from what they've used. Like uh, I often describe Unlock as a protocol for membership. It's like your gym membership and everybody, I mean, at least in the US and I'm sure it's the same in, in Europe. A lot of people have memberships to the local gym, to the library, to you know your local video club, used to be back in the day, or a Netflix account or Amazon Prime. And these are things that people know and understand. And we just say, hey, we're building these things in the blockchain because it makes more sense for them to be on a blockchain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just like you said in, in the introduction, it really makes it easier because you don't need to have a database of these people, hold their email accounts and then get worried that your data leaks because you're just an amateur blogger that wants to make five bucks a month. So... Exactly. Not only that, but also, you know, it's like the complexity is like, okay, if even if I mean, if I'm an amateur blogger, I have to build that system and it's non-trivial. Or I have to use a platform, but then the platform gets to decide. I can use, you know, a Substack or, or some of these, but then these platforms are the one that actually are deciding what kind of content I can publish. Maybe they say, oh, you can publish anything, but they all do, at least they have decision, they make decisions in terms of how my content mm -hmm. looks like. You know, they use a font, they yeah. use a certain way of displaying it, and maybe I want something different and I cannot do that. So it's either I use the platforms and I mentioned Substack, but it would be YouTube or any of these, or if I try to own my own distribution channel, then it's a lot of work to build. It's a lot of work to maintain and it creates friction for my users. Like, no, my users mm -hmm. need to actually sign up, put an email address, mm -hmm. put a password, yeah. put their credit card. And, and I have to convince them that I'm not going to do something crazy with the credit yeah. cards, which is a lot of work. Yeah. And like, you know, how have you done this education? Like, you know, was it like workshop, blog posts, whatever, conferences? Yeah, we yeah, all of that. So we definitely have a very active blog and I would definitely, I mean, uh, ask anyone to look at this on lock-protocol.com uh, slash blog. So pretty easy. Uh, we do speak a lot at conferences. I do podcasts as uh, like we're doing here. We also have webinars. So um, on our team, Chris, uh, who runs marketing, is doing this, uh, what we call membership 101 webinars. We do that uh, once a month where we explain to people like what we do, how we do. And again, what's interesting is like we, we almost have more success with the non-crypto people than with the crypto people, which for me is a good sign. Like it's a sign that we're doing something that actually solves a real problem, not just, you know, I don't want to say invents a new thing, but, you know, in the crypto space, mm -hmm. we sometimes tend to just like do crazy things which are fun, exciting, but don't actually really, mm -hmm. you know, uh, solve anyone's problem yet. At least. Yeah, and, and, and do you, uh, you know, uh... Because like right now you're like a big uh, project, but back then, like how have you acquired your very first users? Let's say like first 10 users. Yeah. So, I mean, basically the first thing that I, I tell people in, in, uh, in the company, I mean, I unlock it and beyond is like, we need to dog food. So I was the first one. If you go to my blog today, there is a membership uh, that dates from four years ago. And now I have uh, about 180 members, if I'm correct, uh, paying five bucks. Um, really try to show people, okay, we'll show you how this works and then we'll do the work. And so that's how we started. We, we, the first few events that we're using Unlock for Ticketing were events that we organized. So trying to, again, be the change that we wanted to see in that world. Um, then started to talk with a bunch of publishers. So one thing that we did a couple of years ago was work with Forbes.com, the mm -hmm. big media site. Um, and, and they had a big crypto section. And so we talked to them about, you know, using Unlock for the crypto section. Uh, and so that's mm. the kind of thing that we've, that we've done from there. Obviously there's definitely a word of mouth that gets into play. And so people learn about unlock because they've used it somewhere else or because they've seen how it's cool it is. And then it starts to uh, trigger that flywheel. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, we're in the crypto space. We're trying to convince anyone who writes about crypto or uses, you know, crypto extensively 
uh, when they have any kind of membership to use something like Unlock. And it's not just, it doesn't have to be Unlock, but I tell them, hey, you're not credible if you're not using Unlock. But believe it, believe it or not, there's still a lot of crypto projects, publication that refuse to be paid in crypto, refuse to actually have hmm. a crypto system. And when they are paid in crypto, they say, oh, we just use Coinbase Commerce, which is not very much crypto. It's just, you mm -hmm. know, um, it's, it's like PayPal. Yeah. Um, and and so it's it's been it's been a journey. It's been a, a really good one. We're really learning a lot. Um, and so that's how we grow. Mm -hmm. And you know, like regarding this uh, addressing more mainstream audience, uh, what I really like is that you made some rebranding. Uh, I mean, this is something that Poaps did like years ago because they called this very specific category of NFTs Poaps, although they are just yep. NFTs. But yep. they call it to like differentiate from the speculative assets. And what you do is like you call these smart contracts locks and yep. these NFTs are keys, which makes it super easy to understand. So how you came up with this idea? Yeah, uh, it's interesting because like it was kind of exactly what you described. Uh, the beginning of NFTs were like, okay, should we call them NFTs? Should we call them ERC721? And we're like, no, nah, I mean, nobody <laughs> understands what these things are and it's just going to be more complicated. So let's find terms that people understand. And our name was unlocked because our goal is to unlock the web, is like move the web from an attention-driven economy to something that is more, you know, membership-driven or value creation-driven. Um, and so it was like, okay, unlock. Well, the contract needs to be locked. And then the, the users... Obviously, if they want to access, they need a key to access, and so that's how mm -hmm. that's how we went for this, uh, you know, unlock lock key um, metaphor. Mm -hmm. And you know, I I I know that you have some other like UX friendly initiatives, like this walletless airdrops and yes. uh, other features. So, like, do you have any process for coming up with these solutions? Some kind of like user testing, interviews, yeah. community work, and so on. Yeah, absolutely. So we're still a very small team, but we do have a, a product manager that is doing these kind of user surveys right now. Um, until now, it was mostly like, okay, having a conversation with someone and trying to understand. So not very formalized as a process, but we're trying to formalize because we think it's critical. And exactly what you said, even though we are using crypto, and again, more than using, we rely on, on blockchains and we think it's critical, we feel like most people will probably not care about the internals. Um, beyond the fact that it works and it should work. And so we need to build this syntactic sugar on top of what they're doing. So for example, we have what you described, the wallet-less airdrops. We realize like when people do airdrops, you know, you've seen these threads on Twitter, like, oh, drop your ENS. And we're like, well, this is not, this is not great. Like it's just bad UI. Um, most, I mean, most people use email as the number one identifier. What if there was a way to just, you know, airdrop by email? And so that's what we did with this wallet-less airdrop, which is basically, you know, you want to airdrop an NFT to someone, you just put the email address. This email address is used to compute um, or to create, I should say not compute, but create uh, a, a, a random uh, wallet address uh, to which the NFT is assigned. And then the user can actually use that to claim the NFT later on. And so that's one of the things that, we, that we've built on that front. Another one that is pretty obvious and popular is um, Apple and Google Pay uh, and credit card support. So it's the idea that, okay, I'm, you know, I might not have a wallet myself. I might not have cryptocurrencies. And even if I do, I might not have enough of the tokens that I need to, to do the payment. Mm -hmm. Well, this is fine. I'll pay with my card and then I'll still get the membership NFT because I think, and this may be controversial in that space, that the payment itself is not the most interesting things about crypto. Mm -hmm. uh, what's interesting is the programmability uh, of things after this. So the way I pay 
you know, I pay today, great, move on. Now you have the membership and the membership itself for me is more interesting than the payment uh, um, itself. So, so that's why we introduced the credit card payment. Uh, we also have these concept of unlock accounts. So for people that don't have wallets, uh, they can still have an, an account with us, which in practice has, you know, um, gives them a, an on-chain identity. Um, and then they can just pay with card or claim the NFTs if they're free NFTs without having to worry about any of the crypto details. Mm -hmm. And what kind of scale do you have right now? Like, you know, how many logs and keys do you distribute? Yeah, so it, we, we, what we look is what we, we, what we call the active locks. So the number of locks that have sold at least one membership in the last 30 days. Uh, and so we have, we, we have a, actually, it's public on the website where we measure this every time. Uh, right now we have about 235 active locks. So again, contract that have sold at least one membership. Uh, mm -hmm. We have sold uh, 304,000, I mean, a bit more than this, 304,859 NFTs, so memberships, um, out of about 5,600 5, locks deployed. So really kind mm -hmm. of trying to uh, be ex expensive here. So like locks deployed is the contract that have been deployed, about 5.6 thousand. Uh, keys sold uh, 305,000 roughly. Um, and an active, so the one that I've sold in the previous month, uh, 235. Mm -hmm. And this is across all of the networks, because at this point, we're deployed on eight different networks. Uh, you know, um, Ethereum Mainnet, Polygon, Gnosis Chain, uh, Arbitrum, Optimism, Avalanche, uh, Binance, Celo. Uh, and we're actually adding more um, uh, every, every not every week, but like fairly often. <laughs> uh, we'll have a couple more announced very, very soon. And our goal is to grow from there. So we look at, at these, uh, at all of the networks, as in the same way, because it's not our choice to go on a, you know, it's like if you decide to go deploy your membership on Binance, it's your choice, not mine. Hey, I got a message for you from our friends at Orange DAO. If you don't yet know, Orange DAO is a DAO built by founders who've gone through Y Combinator and they focus on investing in and accelerating web free ecosystem. So the message is that their fellowship applications are open. What's their fellowship? Well, if you're a builder that has an initial idea, but feels like, you know, you need money or some mentoring to really pull it off, then this fellowship might be something for you. The way it works is they give you 25K and for 10 weeks, you get mastermind meetings, dinners, and get tactical support from Orange DAO members and partners. So... If you feel like it might be something for you and you want to turn your initial idea to full-time project, then go to fellowship.orangedow.xyz and see whether it's something for you. The application's deadline is 30th of June, so there's still plenty of time, but I highly advise you to not wait till the end because it might get pretty crowded. So thanks a lot, and we are returning to the episode. Sure, sure. And, you know, uh, you were responsible for this EFCC ticketing, and this is a use case that I'm very bullish on because I hate secondary market when it comes to tickets. Like, this is a mess when it comes to concerts or sports. It's terrible. So could you tell us like how this partnership looked like, like how you prepared all that and how it worked in practice? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so basically what I said earlier about dog fooding, we've, 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 you know, I go to a bunch of events and every time I'm like, well, 
the ticketing here should be a membership, should be an NFT. There's no reason why it's something, you know, off chain. And so I've actually spoken with the, with the ECC team a couple of times and at some point they say, okay, you know what, let's try it. So the first year they tried to do this with a small subset of tickets. They say, okay, cool, only a few people will, will do NFTs. And that was great. That was a way to get started. And then last year, what they've, did, what they've done is say, okay, now everybody would, will need to have an NFT ticket. And so they deploy the smart contract on Polygon um, and then they charge uh, using USDC on Polygon and they told everyone before. And I think that was great because they disable transfers um, as a way to make sure that there is no of uh, that secondary market that you described. Like once people buy, they cannot actually transfer uh, the NFT. By the way, with Unlock, each NFT is completely customizable. You can make it transferable, non-transferable, make it expire, make it not expire. You can have a cap supply or unlimited supply. It really is up to you, the creator, to decide these things. And so ECC mm -hmm. decided a bunch of these things. And then we built a whole ticketing interface on top of this. So the NFT itself, you know, I cannot really show up at the conference and show you my NFT. It's not ideal. So we, we have them show a QR code that is generated from the NFT. We, we said about earlier, like the image is not the NFT. You can have an image that is a QR code on top of an NFT. So that's how we, we did this. And then basically organizers could use their, their phone to scan the QR code and, and, and that gives them access to the venue uh, from there. So really that's uh, one thing we've built, uh, we've built with CC. But not just ECC, I mean, in uh, in Poland, actually, uh, ETH Warsaw last year mm -hmm. also used Unlock for Tickets. Um, uh, DAPCON in Berlin uh, uses DAPCON for, uh, uses Unlock for Tickets. Uh, MCON uses Unlock for Tickets here in Denver in the USA. And we're talking with a lot of different events. Um, um, ETH Taipei actually happening in a couple of weeks in uh, Taipei uh, is using Unlock, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And... What kind of utilities have you seen regarding these NFTs? Because it, this is for me the most interesting part where you can not only add utility to tickets, but also like bring this community together after events. So you have like these two, you know, things that you can do with tickets. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what kind of utility? Honestly, anything you can imagine. So accessing venues, we talked about this. That's one type of like physical spaces. And by the way, we've seen this for, for conferences and venues, but we have seen this even for um, physical clubs. So you cannot, you know, you can only enter if you have an NFT. And in Denver, during in Denver, there was an activation where you could only access a Shake Shack restaurant if you had an NFT. It was an arbitrary did this, which was actually a pretty cool activation. So accessing physical spaces. Obviously, the counterpart part of this is accessing uh, virtual spaces. So things like in the metaverse. So, you know, there is... Um, Decentraland, for example, somebody built a, a Decentraland integration where you can only enter, it's an island on Decentraland if you have an NFT in your wallet. So same idea, accessing content. Obvious one, there's content on a website, you can only see it if you have the NFT, so the normal so-called token gating. Uh, we've seen people, um, the benefits including, for example, voting. So if you have a ticket then, or an NFT uh, membership NFT, then you can use snapshot or vote on these things. So that's uh, another of these features. We have seen e-commerce, which is kind of interesting. There is you can access a, a, a secret catalog of product if you have an NFT. So say I mm -hmm. show up on your store, I connect my wallet, you see I have an NFT and you show me different products from the people that don't have the NFT, which I think is pretty powerful. Obviously getting discounts is the other part of this is like on the e-commerce store, if I have the membership NFT, I can get discounts. Uh, but really we're seeing more and more uh, of these things. I mean, games is definitely one of the things that we're seeing a lot as well. This week there's GDC in San Francisco and uh, you can access you know weapons and different features of the game if you have an nft which is which is kind of cool so really i mean unlock is not about the you know each membership has its own benefits and we're, we don't actually mm -hmm. have a decision we don't tell people like they can do whatever they want with these 
mm-hmm. um, we really try to provide the infrastructure for these to be uh, to be easily deployable. Mm-hmm. And you know, a few days ago we talked on Farcaster about subscriptions, which is like yes. you know uh, one of the other features of Unlock, and. Yeah. We spoke with uh, Colin uh, from Paragraph that, like, uh, you know, there was this bigger discussion that, you know, the adoption is not here yet. I mean, like, it's pretty early. Like, uh, as we see, like, some people subscribe to your blog and, and there are, I, I, yeah, I guess, some, yeah, but, but it's still a small number. So, like, why do you think it is that way? Like, what blocks the wider adoption of, uh, you know, crypto subscriptions? You know, I think the crypto space and a lot of people in that space want to kind of reinvent the wheel and kind of want to do something that is unique and different. And and oftentimes, I think when they look for this, they miss the obvious reinvention of an existing concept. Uh, I think, you know, when I tell people like subscription, they in the crypto space, they, they think it must be something crazier, something wider. Oh. I'm going to buy, you know, one thing that we've seen a lot of, of, of people try is like, oh, people are going to buy the NFT and then I'm going to make money from the secondary market. So say I create a blog post and Mirror is, is one of these examples. And I think it's an interesting model, but I don't think it scales that well. Like most blog posts, people don't want to buy. And even if they buy, they're not going to be a big secondary market for this. They just want to read the content and, and access, uh, you know, um, um, some features. So I feel like we we want to reinvent the wheel and think of something crazy when in practice, Things are actually much simpler than, than what people realize. I, 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 I deeply believe that, yes, the, the crypto space is sometimes a bit too, uh, you know, uh, wants to do something completely new when it, mm-hmm. it actually doesn't really, you know, exist or, or it doesn't really solve anyone's needs. Yeah, it seems like a giant technological playground for adults. Where you know we just have yes. fun and build stuff, but and so, sometimes we create something useful, but very often yeah. it's just fun. It's <laughs> just fun, and, but but and, and I think I mean I want to make it clear it's perfectly fine. I think it's actually part of the learning, but I think sometimes it's always important to realize like okay, well there is some existing things that we can just do with the new technology, and that's going to be as if not more impactful down the line. I mean think about this right the when the internet emerged we did things that we we're already doing. It's not like movies didn't exist before the internet. It's not like reading newspaper didn't exist before the internet. It's not like ordering things, even ordering things remotely didn't exist before the internet. The internet made these things much easier, much faster, much simpler. And I think crypto is going to be like this. People are still going to watch movies, are still going to you know, have friends and are still going to you know, be paid. Um, it's, we're not going to invent whole new wild things that are going to come mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, it, it's about, you know, like there are so many needs that are already there that it's more about, you know, like wrapping your product around those needs than like finding some super niche need that no one ever heard about and, and trying to be, you know, this inventor, uh, at least for some, for most people, because there are some yeah. crazy inventors out there. Uh, like, yeah, and, it, not, and again, I want to make it clear, like, it's fine, right? It's, I don't want to dismiss. I'm actually a big fan of the idea of tinkering and doing random things. But I think it's also important, especially when you try to create a business and something sustainable, to think, okay, cool. This crazy thing, that's crazy, that's great. There is some interesting thing that I can take and apply to existing mm-hmm. business models yeah. or existing business patterns that are actually going to be as impactful as the crazy wild thing. Yeah, it would definitely help us to answer this very... 
annoying question from people like, oh, maybe maybe not even question, but statement like, oh, crypto has no use cases, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> did, yeah, yeah. I so, mean, exactly that. I, yes, it, it's. I think. I think a lot of the, the crypto as the use case is actually coming from the fact that we tend to do these crazy wild things. Uh, when in practice, nope. If you do something that you've already done but you do it better, I think that's actually pretty good. Yeah, and you know, uh, returning to business, like Unlock ENC has some time ago transferred at least part of responsibilities to Unlock DAO. So yes. it's like the first, maybe not the first, but like like a very important step towards decentralization. And Absolutely. we quite seldom have people here who are already on the path uh, uh, that far. So could you walk us through like how it looked like, like whole decision making and how have you actually technically turned it, turned some part of Unlock into a DAO? Yeah, and, and to be clear, I mean, this is something that we are, we have done, we've started to do. We're still on a journey, right? It's still something that we are trying to figure out and, and trying to understand how in the long term that's going to work. But I think the question that you're asking is like very important and very critical. So let, let me try to, to, to spend a little bit of time on this one. First of all, when I created Unlock, I really wanted it to be a protocol, to be something that is kind of, you know, decentralized in a way that I am not acting as a gatekeeper. I'm not acting as a blocker. It's not, I'm not a single point of failure. The goal was to do something that would basically survive me. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. if that, you know, if that works, it's useful. It shouldn't require Julian to be around and to do things. And so to me, that's kind of a critical piece of, of what we're doing is like, how can we build something that is useful? while at the same time, not, uh, you know, blocking anybody else, uh, on its, uh, on its use. So really thinking from the beginning, okay, we're going to create that protocol, but from the beginning, is there a DAO? Can we build something that has this aspect of it's collectively owned and governed? And so I really thought a lot about this. Okay, so how can we, I mean, what, what is the DAO first? Okay, so what is the DAO's responsibility? What, how can I identify, you know, real people from just, you know, uh, people that, didn't, that don't know about this? And so what we decided is from the beginning, build a token that would basically be you know, almost like airline mics, like the, 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 um, uh, I'm not sure what's the way to describe this, but like the, the, the loyalty system of the protocols, like if you use the protocol, then you should have more. If you don't use the protocol, then there is no reason why you should have any. So we try to move away from the idea of like, okay, let's create, uh, you know, um, an airdrop for everyone. It's like, let's only create an airdrop that is for people that have, uh, you know, uh, unlock, um, uh, that have used unlock in the past. So. We create this, this this token, and then we decided to make a system where on every single transaction, so every time you use the protocol, it is you know uh, valuable for us. Or it's valuable for the protocol as a as a mechanism of okay, you're you're helping this make you know make some progress. So let's actually work out a system where on every single transaction there is new tokens that are being minted. Once we had this, we had a, a mechanism to distribute ownership. We say okay, cool. Now people can become co-owners, stakeholders of the protocol. Make sense? Mm -hmm. So after that, we decided, okay, let's, let's find a system to say, how can we make sure that these people are um, influencing uh, the protocol? How can we build a system that, you know, makes it so that if you use the protocol, then you should be able to have a, a say. And so we introduced uh, inside of the core protocol, the concept of upgrades and say, okay, the protocol can be updated, can be changed and, and when it is changed, well, uh, every smart contract should be able to 
use these changes. And so mm -hmm. we turn the lock into upgradable contract. Obviously not upgradable by us because that would be kind of uh, bad, but upgradable by the people that are actually using um, uh, a specific lock based on versions that have been collectively ag agreed to. So one thing we realized like, okay, if we want people to, <clears throat> sorry, uh, use these things, uh, we need to make sure that they all have a say in the governance. And so that's when it started to kind of be obvious that we needed to have a DAO, but also, you know, upgradable contracts and the tokens. And so if you put these two things together, the idea is like, okay, if I use the protocol, because I'm a creator and I want to be paid with this, then I'll earn tokens. With these tokens, I can vote on the DAO to change how the protocol works. And so really that's kind of how that we, we, thought, we started thinking about that loop and how we built, uh, we built the DAO. Um, at this point, the DAO already has a pretty significant control. Uh, so it can already kind of vote on upgrades. It can distribute some of the governance token because one other thing that we decided to do is from the beginning, we realized, okay, the protocol, the DAO should be able to fund work. And so we allocated a lot of the governance token to the DAO, about 10% of the supply, which is more than anyone has at this point. Uh, and our goal is to actually bring most of the tokens to DAO, taking it step-by-step step for obvious reasons. Um, um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's where we're right now. We actually are on the verge of a protocol upgrade in the next few weeks. Um, that's going to bring a couple more things on that front, including something that I think is very unique, which is what we call cross-chain governance. It's basically, you'll be able to make a decision in the DAO on mainnet, and it will propagate on every single instance of the protocol on every single network. And that's pretty big. Mm -hmm. and yeah, and, and how has it happened technically? Like, you know, because you, you are a company, like Unlock yes. TNC, as far as yes. I know. So yes, how does it work? Yeah, so the company deployed a smart contract, uh, the DAO contract. We use Open Zeppelin's governor. Uh, we also deployed a token, and we also use Open Zeppelin's ESC20 implementation. Um, and then the Unlock contract was created uh, custom by us. And then we transferred ownership of both the tokens and the token contract, I should say, and the Unlock contract to the DAO. And so now every decision has to go through the DAO to actually be propagated to, uh, to, to the mm -hmm. other component. And Unlock Labs, um, Unlock Inc., uh, we call it Unlock Labs, owns um, a large chunk of the tokens right now because that's how we kind of make sure that we can still distribute um, ownership. But we'll, we'll get there very soon. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, you know, you also, as a, like, every reputable protocol, you have a grants program. Uh, yes. So, uh, could you tell us, like, you know, what have you learned building this program? Because, like, you know, of course, the goal is to incentivize people to build on top of Unlock. Yes, absolutely. So, we have built uh, one thing we realized that, okay, even though we have this automatic system to distributing tokens, there's a lot of people that are going to build things that are going to be useful for the protocol that are not going to receive a lot of tokens through the protocol itself. And so we wanted to be able to make sure that these people we can incentivize and reward for their work, um, not, not in a payment terms, like in a way that, okay, you built something useful for the community, you should have your say in what, you know, what is the next step um, of how things should work. And so we have a grants program. People can apply for grants and anybody can from a creator that wants to use this for, for their own shows or from a developer that wants to build something unique. They can apply for grants and then there's a grant committee that has committee members not even me or not even us committee members decide if this is a valuable thing and if it is valuable they get approved and then they can uh, they receive the tokens mm -hmm. and uh, what have you learned like 
r running that program? Like, you know, were there any surprising things, something that you thought it was much easier or harder and it turned out that it's totally different? Yeah, uh, honestly, one thing that I realized is like, <clears throat> I mean, a lot of people, they ask for decentralized things, but then they actually ask for a lot of help <clears throat> when you give them control. So that's maybe one of a disappointment in some way that I have is like <clears throat> very few people tend to, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, when you give them control, uh, tend to actually seize that control and say, okay, cool, I'm going to do this thing. So the, 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 honestly, the, the grants program, I've been disappointed. Um, we have said, hey, people come build these things, apply and, and do this. At this point, very few of the grants uh, that we've seen were, you know, we've seen some really cool thing. I mentioned the, the Decentraland one, uh, there's a Unity one, there's an intuition in Ghost that I'm really hopeful will, will actually have an impact. But we haven't seen that many people start to say, okay, I'm going to build something on my own because all of these ideas is ideas that we gave to people and say, hey, it would be cool if um, that existed. Um, so, so that's kind of my biggest disappointment is really kind of, again, realizing that a lot of people, you know, they don't really, once they have control, they don't actually care about control, which is, again, <laughs> a bit of an irony here. Mm -hmm. so, so, so you mean that, like, you would need more creative ideas from people? Yes, exactly. I would want more people to kind of step up and say, hey, I want to do this, and then be able to do it on their own without actually asking us how they can yeah. do something or, or, or that. It's, it's really kind of a, I think it's also a problem in the, in the, I mean, I've spoken with a bunch of other people that are doing grants. It's generally a problem that ecosystem is, you know, that's also because there is money in line, but people want to get the tokens, uh, you know, asking for the airdrop, asking for, you know, all of that. And then whenever there is actually work to do, not enough of these kind of step up and do the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. And whenever someone gets grants, is it in this like subscription manner? So they get like some amount every month. And if they don't yeah. deliver, you stop it, or how does it? Work? Absolutely. So, so it's not in a subscription manner, but it's kind of a similar idea. It's like uh, we basically say, okay, you've been approved, um, and from that moment they start vesting. So basically, they start accruing the tokens that they've uh, been uh, granted, but they don't actually have access to them until they ship. So we say, mm -hmm. you know, say you apply today for a grant, you're approved today, which usually would take uh, about a month, but say you're approved today, um, you start vesting from now. And if you ship your the thing that you've said you're going to build, you know, in the next three months, then basically you would not receive anything for three months. And then after three months, you still receive the stuff that you've already vested, but the rest uh, basically streams. And so we use Sableer for this uh, streams for the rest of the of the one year. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's like a milestone based. Uh... It's milestone based exactly, and it's it's really a way to say, hey, uh, we want you to be incentivized to build with us, kind of in the long term, not just like a one-off thing, uh, and be part of this governance process uh, with us. Um, again, you know, we've seen some cool stuff. We've also been disappointed by other things. It's mm -hmm. I think it's the way the ecosystem goes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like since we are talking about hard moments, <laughs> yes. let's speak about one hard moment not sure if for you but i know that for many founders because like we are in oh. a bear market and yes. you have a token which means yes. that your token went down just like every other token in the space yes uh, so like how has it impacted you know 
like ecosystem participants because like as you said some people are here for the money and you know token goes down so they are like hey i was here for the money but i want to get the money so i'm wondering you know how has it worked in your case that's that's been a lot of that to be honest and to be frank and that's been disappointing because i people i think they confuse cause and consequence the token goes down they assume they shouldn't do anything when it should be the, like the only way to make the token go up is to actually contribute work and do things. Like if you want something to be valuable, then you need to make it valuable. It's not going to become valuable because some magic thing yeah. is going to fall from the sky. And so, and it's not just about unlock. Like, I've, you know, I'm actually, um, uh, I was just appointed to be a, a member on the, the graph uh, council. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a, another team um, and, and I'm helping on the DAO level. And it's the same idea. It's like we see people ask for stuff uh, without actually contributing stuff. Uh, and, and so it's kind of sad to realize like people don't understand that, well, this thing is only going to be as valuable as it is used, as it is pushed forward. And it's the case for all of crypto. Like one of my uh, teammates, uh, Patrick, says, you know, whenever you have to do something and there's a way to use crypto, you should use crypto. Because if you believe that crypto is the future of money, the future of work, the future of X, Y, Z, it can only be if you use these things. It's not, you know, it's like we're not going to convince our neighbors mm -hmm. or, you know, friends to use crypto if we ourselves don't use it. And so the only way these things become valuable and the only way in the end we get paid for our work is like other people use it. But that's also sometimes weirdly controversial in that space, which um, to me is a bit disappointing. Yeah, sometimes people have this like, can devs do something approach? Yes, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> exactly and it's kind of the opposite yeah yeah it's so, like they should be the one yeah yes so when the bear market hit like did, did you have did you take any actions regarding this token price like telling people look like basically the same thing that you told me a few seconds ago yeah so we we don't we honestly we don't look at the price ourselves like yeah, it's not sure. a, it's not a short-term driver um obviously we think eventually the price will you know will be high because um, the protocol will be adopted. But we think looking at the price on a daily basis doesn't actually help anyone. It's really about looking at the long term. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. uh, you know, how it's going to look in five years, in 10 years, and what are the impactful things that we can do now to actually make this go high eventually. Sure. So like, uh, you know, I I'm wondering because we were talking about metrics and as we said, yep. like, coin market cap is not the best metric because it's a no. lagging indicator and it's often full of sentiment that's not even about Absolutely. your project but it's about the whole market so it's like very bad indicator for uh, seeing whether the product makes sense uh, yes. so i'm wondering what are your indicators you know your kind of metrics and kpis that you follow you mentioned already locks the number of locks the yeah. number of keys the number of keys yeah these are the ones so uh, active locks active keys and honestly we look so on our discord we have a, a channel um uh, where we post uh, a message every time there's a new nft being minted or renewed and so to me that's the it's kind of not the number one metric but that's what i use as the heartbeat and so seeing these happen every you know every two three minutes is when i'm excited it's like okay cool this thing is is moving in the right direction because every two or three minutes there is somebody buying a new membership and so that creates mm -hmm. kind of this uh this flywheel uh but yeah definitely not looking at the price as an indicator of anything mm -hmm. but uh you know um the global sentiment or a crypto i think more than our own performance um um but again i hope eventually that changes i hope people realize like okay if i want this to go up then I need to work for this to go up. Uh, and again, we have a grants program. We have all of these things. 
to make the to make the to make the case that you know if you want to be mm -hmm. part of this you come you join us we'll help you we'll you know uh mm -hmm. we'll uh we'll provide you with documentation with everything we can so that you can take the project and one with it mm -hmm. uh yeah makes makes total sense so like what's your you know near-term goal like you know let's say like two years from now how does the yeah. world of memberships look like if unlock succeeds yeah so really it's kind of something where i mean in terms of number uh we have this north star of like 10 million memberships um being minted with unlock and we think it's the next step is like okay can we get to 10 million um is kind of one of our one of the next goals uh and then after this it's probably going to be 100 million and then after this it's going to be a billion uh, but really kind of like, okay, getting there. Um, how does it look like? Well, it looks like something that I think is much easier in the end. It's like, it looks like a, a web, because I think it's going to be mostly online, but it, where I don't have to create accounts everywhere. I don't have to put my credit card everywhere. I can just easily connect my wallet to a website, um, prove that I have one of the NFT that they require, which is basically usually signing a message. And then the website just gives me access to this. So I actually don't know if Riverside is a paid product, but if it is a paid product, but I actually have an account, I can just connect my wallet, they check out if I have an, uh, the NFT. If I do, great, I can use it. If I don't, they show me a little checkout UI. Do you want to buy the NFT? Yes, I buy the NFT and then I can use the software. No credit card, no accounts, no, no a much simpler version of this. I think the social web is, could be like this. It's like, you know, um, there's a lot of debates around how Twitter monetizes or, you know, all of these platforms. Well, maybe there is a world in which some of my posts as a creator are token gated and I say, you can't read this unless you have one of my NFTs. And so I think uh, Farcaster that we talked about, that would be something that I think would be really cool. Is like there is some of the cast that I sent that would be token gated in a way that only the paying members of my community can read them. What's interesting mm -hmm. here is like even Farcaster in that world could actually make money, take a cut of every single transaction as the distribution mechanism for my memberships, they should be able to do this. And by the way, we've built that system at the protocol level. So already in the protocol, there's a concept of refer fee, which is basically a way for, you know, something like Farcaster to say, we'll take 5% or 2% of mm -hmm. every single membership being sold through uh, the Farcaster app. Okay, and you know, uh, so we are getting till the end, but I would like to ask you one question uh, because you've been building Unlock for a while. It's been, what, like five years almost? Almost five uh, years, yeah. So what were the most surprising things, uh, when, you know, when you were building that, like, you know, some things that were even good, either good or, or, or bad things that surprised you on the way? Uh, I mean, on the good things, I, I think the resilience of the ecosystem, right? We've seen attacks, uh, you know, people stealing funds, obviously, in the ecosystem, but attacks from outside coming over and over again and in the ecosystem kind of surviving. I also am not more than surviving, like thriving. Um, I also like that uh, we're making progress, like no matter what, we're able to see kind of interesting innovations and, and progress. Like think of the merge in the Ethereum space. I think that's a massive technological achievement. Like I, I don't, I can't think of anything of that scale in a decentralized way. Obviously. So, so that's the, that's the kind of thing that I, I, I take as like, wow, this is cool. This is really interesting. Um, mm -hmm. Stuff that I wish changes is like, I want us to be more, you know, dog footing is like using our products more and kind of aligning our discourse more with our actions. It's like, I feel like there's definitely a lot of influencers in the crypto space and, you know, the people like SBF and others were like saying things and then doing something different. Um, and, I, and I still see a lot of people on crypto Twitter and others saying things and doing something different. Like, oh, you should go leave your bank and then, well, actually, we're going to take payment, but it's going to be with a credit card. 
feels very, uh, very uh, uh, much like hypocrisy. Uh, and we see too many of that, uh, uh, too, too much of that right now in the, in the space. Uh, so really that's the disappointing part. And I, and I, and I hope we start learning uh, that it's not the right way. Mm. Yeah, I, I definitely agree here because like, you know, the whole idea for this podcast is to have like no thought leaders, no traders, no noise, just founders. So people who live and breathe the things that, you know, that they build, that they live in the crypto space. It's, you know, their like mental point of origin in a sense. So uh, that, that, that was the whole idea here. So uh it, it definitely fits that <laughs> um yes so uh julian like I i'm wondering like if you were like let's say because of whatever reason today you stop building unlocked you cannot do it because you know there's some wizard that casts a spell okay. and you cannot work okay. on an unlocked it would protocol. take a lot of work it would take a lot of work <laughs> to keep me from doing it yes go ahead yeah. what do i do yeah what do you do what do you build it's a good question. Honestly, it's a good question. I'm really, really passionate about the work that we do at Unlock. Um, I think I would look more at um, the, the wallet space. Like, I, I think we're, we're definitely in a world where there needs to be better option and we start to see more. So maybe it would be too late to start working on these things. But I, I feel like, you know, everybody owning their private key feels like it's going to be hard and, and doesn't scale in the long term. Obviously, there's a lot of discussion around, you know, a kind of abstraction in the Ethereum space. I'm a bit skeptic about that specifically because it feels like, you know, it doesn't work well in a multi-chain, multi-execution environment, uh, which is kind of what we're seeing anyway happening. But I think there's something there as well. So something that would look like wallets, maybe the stuff that uh, uh, MPC does. So I think the Coinbase wallet does this is like, okay, no private key, ways to have social recovery and, and ways to have kind of threshold in terms of signature that can be uh that can be done or that are required to do something that's what i would look at for sure mm -hmm. okay and you know I, I have two very important questions the last ones uh the first one is where people can learn more about unlock yeah so unlock-protocol.com uh so that's our website if you type unlock protocol in in a decent search engine you'll you'll find us it's the first link Okay, and the last question is, you know, do you know any other builders in, in this space that might be a good fit for the conversation that we just had? Yeah, let me let me think about people. I can think of a few. I mean, have you spoken? You mentioned Colin Armstrong from Paragraph. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would definitely be some point. Uh, I can put you in touch also with Genel from uh, from Coinvise, maybe if, if you're interested mm -hmm. in, in chatting about uh, about these things. Um, these are people that I think are are right now doing some interesting stuff. Okay. Okay. So Julian, like, thanks a lot for your time. It's been very fresh to talk with you. And okay. so I'm very happy that we managed to Connected. meet and record. Definitely. Thank you very much. Sorry about the scheduling uh, challenges and issues. Uh, <laughs> and uh, hopefully the, the video will work. It's been a pleasure to chat with you, Mac, as well. And I'll see you online, I'm sure. Yeah, no problem. Thanks a lot.